0: Hello and welcome to Inspiration Boulevard, the podcast where we discuss the brilliance and creativity that exists within the field of mental health. I'm your host, Alan Hyde, and I am joined here by a dear friend, Sarah Carmona. Hey, Sarah.
1: Hello, hello. hello. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm great. It's been a bit of an interesting week, as everyone in the world knows. Yeah. Um, But other than that, for me personally, things are not too shabby
0: yeah you know it, it's it's interesting too because you know we work in the field of mental health and we get to see i think on the front line how people are responding to this thing and you know it's it's always uh, i always appreciate hearing your perspective on these things as well and i know we touched on that when we spoke earlier in the week and you know, I I think interesting on one hand, but I was actually thinking about this too. And I kind of want your perspective on this and who better to, you know, I think in my life to get this perspective from. Um, But I was thinking like in the face of uncertain times, it's always fascinating to me how, how individuals can find such certain and directive ways to like get out there and abdicate and yeah, I think we're making something beautiful out of uh, what could be something tragic, you know?
1: Absolutely.
0: I mean, that is tragic, you know, that started yep. all of it, but
1: yeah. It really is. And, you know, it's a weird, you know, you know, and I, before, even like pre-COVID-19 everything, and it's kind of trickled into, you know, just pandemic stuff and then you know the anti-racist movement that's really beautiful that's happening you know right like I just I don't know maybe you felt it but I literally for me it was like the hairs on the back of my neck stood up and I was like here we go um and there's almost a sense of like responsibility as a therapist right like it's like okay like I've got a I have a responsibility to my clients and to potential clients to like help them navigate this. But it's difficult because, because these times are so, I hate saying, I, I feel like I've said this a million times, unprecedented. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like, how many times have I said that over the last 90 days? I probably would be rich if I had a dollar for every time, but it's, um, I don't even know how to navigate some of this stuff from my own self because I've never been through it. It's not like I can, you know, some, and that's that's what's been so difficult is like I've had to do the work for my own self and then also help clients do the work. And it's like, this is new for me too, you know, all of this. Um, Um,
0: Yeah, you know, on top of, uh, I was actually just talking to someone the other day explaining that, you know, when all of this hit, at least the pandemic, if we just take it in stride of the order of the things kind of thing shook out. Uh, there was a bunch of trainings we had to do. There was, um, you know, it was kind of inundated with, here's an option for a training here. You should look into this. You should get educated on this. And, right. you know, and then then it, it kicked in my, like, perfectionism brain, like, okay, I'm going to do all these trainings, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: but <laughs> I really appreciate that perspective that you bring in, too, for, you know, for those who, who listen as well, who may be clinicians who, who are interested in this field is like, when When these unprecedented times come up it, it really is kind of um, a call to action for us to make sure that we're prepared um, because yes. there is a um a responsibility for us in this profession like any other profession uh, to meet the needs of those clients that are walking through the door and and ours just so happen to be um, right in the face of of the things that everybody's struggling with right now, including us and it, it's I've always loved that call to action in this field. And it kind of goes, I don't want to say unnoticed, but you know, it's almost kind of not part of the conversation that we're on the front lines too. And part of why I think it's important to have these conversations.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's one thing that we, we help clients deal with crisis all the time, but it's like when the whole world is in crisis um, or, you know, big communities are in crisis or, um, or, you know, just like this collective kind of nervous breakdown, that's new. So like, and, you know, if you are definitely more sensitive, like a highly sensitive person or, you know, an empath, like that's hard to deal with. And so, you know, I think I was, I was telling you the other day, it's like, um, you know, the, it's a lot to have to take care of yourself, take care of your family and then also help clients take care of themselves it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of energy um and so um you know and as therapists i mean we have skills we have kind of our basic our our basic training that we have to deal with crisis and so uh, you know i think employing those as much as possible is amazing and obviously helpful otherwise you know we'd be out of a job but it's um you know, it's still new and it's so big. And I've been telling, you know, a lot of clients, um, especially the ones that have dealt with, you know, depression at some point in their life. It's like, well, you know, it might feel like you're in a depression right now because it's, you know, there's so much simulation. It's like we're not doing as much as we normally would be doing. We're not seeing people as much things are starting to turn around in that regard. But I think, you know, it's, um, you know, we're not, you know, the gym is closed and, you know, we're eating more than we would or less than we would or whatever. And so it it might feel, we kind of were slammed into that, like all of a sudden, even us as therapists. So it's just been, it's been weird. It's just been a weird time, but revolutionary too. I think it's, you know, it's a good thing. And, and yeah, lots of different ways. Yeah,
0: you know, I, <clears throat> I try not to it, it's interesting like with uh, the coronavirus stuff too, and and then transitioning into the peaceful protests mm-hmm. is, you know in, in the beginning, I, I had a lot of, um, I guess intervention approaches I would take to keep people away from media. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I, I would only utilize those things because I'm staying away from media too. And then there's this different call to action too. Uh, of a simultaneous process of like, as much as I need to stay away from media, I also need to stay educated on, on what my clients are possibly looking at and
1: and, uh, being
0: subjected to as well. And so it's this careful dance and and there's an art to it, you know, and I I know we all talk about that pretty consistently in our group, but you know, also just hearing clinicians talk about that is there's really an art to doing this thing. And especially during a time like this, where a lot of beautiful outcomes are going to, are going to come from this but also making sure that we're there to to guide and, and help people stay balanced so that they can um you know step into whatever aspects of this whether it's peaceful protest or transition back to work you know right uh, on the heels of something uh like a pandemic
1: yeah i think you know you know even though it's like this is a very textured nuanced layered uh subject you know we could go on and on for hours but i think the the thing, the theme that I keep hearing with my own private clients is just, you know, that feeling of uncertainty. I mean, it's been going on for, you know, a while now. And I think people don't necessarily know how to hold that. Um, you know, it's not very comfortable to just kind of be floating out and just like not knowing and what, how are things going to turn out and what's going to shake out from this. And, um, that's really, you know, any of the newer clients that I've had is just because they're like, I just don't like this feeling of uncertainty. And, and they're right. The brain doesn't like that. right? Not at all. So yeah. we'll make up stories and then suddenly we have, you know, extreme levels of anxiety, you know, cause we've just kind of, you know, we tell ourselves a story in right. our head. So it's just, it's a big time. It's a crazy time.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and our society doesn't like it. You know, we're, we're I was talking about this in the last couple of podcasts I did where like, I think in our American society, especially, we're so used to activity. right? We're so yeah. used to the next accomplishment, doing the next thing. And so I think, you know, what I've experienced too, like in my private practice is that people are reaching out just because like they got to, they, they need to be doing something. And now it's kind of like a call to action, like, well, I guess the only thing left to do is go and talk to a fucking therapist. You know, mm-hmm. at least right. then I can do something and you know, whatever gets you through the door. But you know, it's it's definitely uh it's been an interesting adventure these last. Absolutely.
1: Couple totally. And I think this will help us evolve as clinicians too. You know, it's like this is this is the first time we have ever been through anything like this in our lifetime, you know, and so being able to um, you know have alliance alliances with clients during this time is is helpful for our career path as well you know yeah yeah shit. if I can do this, I can get through anything like you right. know i can i can I can help clients with anything. it's just you know so it's it's uh it's an honorable position to.
0: Yeah, it's, it's something to be really, uh, really thankful for. And, you know, it's, it, it's that conversation you were touching on, too. It's like, hey, we've, we've never been through anything like this either, right? Just because we're clinicians doesn't mean we have, like, these extra tools um, that no one else has access to. You know, that's that's kind of the whole point. We teach you the, the tools that, that we learned along the way. And, and guess what? We're in the same boat learning uh, access to new tools that no one's ever had to use before. Yeah. You know? And it's it's been an honor. It's been fun, you know. It's but it's also been, I think, you know, if we're just going to validate probably what's going on in the world right now, it's been unsettling and scary. And Mm -hmm. you know, the first week or two of the quarantine, I was like, "Well, this sucks. Like, this is kind of scary. Like, what happens next?"
1: Right, right. Every conversation I had with client was like Groundhog Day, and I was like, "I, you know, I'm sure, you know, I'm holding out, you know, hope that things will." you know, be okay. I mean, really, when you look at just crisis in general, like it crisis doesn't necessarily sustain itself for very, you know, like something's got to give something moves, something shifts. So, you know, there's that, but also just controlling your controllables. And that is literally like the conversation I've had with every single person. And I've had to have it with my own self too. You know, most days I do okay because, you know, my training has suggested like do this and then you know you know you'll be you can get closer to baseline but it's um you know it's still I've I've still had my moments where I've I've been like whoa but I'm human so like I you know I've definitely had my freak out moments and I I allow myself that place I just don't unpack my shit and live there
0: yeah well and controlling the controllables how do you how do you find yourself explaining that to the clients that you're working with like how do you approach that what are some of the things that you say what do you highlight for them when you're talking about controlling the things that are within their control
1: well you know and even like with some of the like the conversations recently like this week with you know the george uh, floyd protests and you know the big movement for you know the biggest movement we've seen in a long time for anti-racism Um, I think the, the theme for that, that keeps coming up is just like, I feel helpless and I feel like it's such a big issue that I can't do anything about it. Or, um, even like, you know, having clients that are, you know, persons of color, you know, it's like, there's that too, where it's like, I feel helpless because I feel like someone could hurt me. And then the systems that are put into place Um, to protect me won't, and that's you know there's that helplessness, and then there's also just in general being like this is such a big, um, big deep rooted issue, and I feel like what what could I do about it? Like what 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 could I really do about it? And then you know in the face of coronavirus, it's just like again, it's just this giant global issue that it's like it's crushing me. It's on my my shoulders. I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm just one aunt on the hill. Like, what do I do? And so that's really been, I, I, I think normalizing that first and foremost has been helpful because I think, especially with a lot of the adolescents that come into the office, I think their parents kind of just poo-poo their feelings, not, not to be dismissive, but to kind of be like, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And it's okay to kind of just stay in that place. And, you know, I've had to explain, I think that parents sometimes do that because they're freaked out too. So they kind of want to be like, just don't think about it or, you know, don't, don't go there. Um,
0: Right. Well, I think that's what we know about a lot of, a lot of crisis, right. That's how a lot of families handle it. And I think, you know, we're experiencing it on such a larger scale right now that, you know, that makes a whole lot of sense to me as I hear it, that, that's kind of the perspective that you're seeing uh, actively working with adolescents is that a lot of emotions are probably being denied right now. Mm -hmm. And and on one hand, right. Like it makes sense. And you know, I'm not going to judge you, you know, as I, as I hear that, right. You know, and I have a lot of clients who do the same thing. And, and at the same time, I I think the invitation that you're giving is it's okay to sit in a place of uncertainty, right? I think that's our call to action with all of our emotions. and, And this is, it's kind of the conversation we've all been having of clinicians and you know for me you know as someone who uh, attends Al-Anon regularly so like you know the active program of letting things go uh sitting with uncertainty is kind of the call to action that we're all getting right now Again, yeah. you don't know what's coming next i don't either how do right. we handle this
1: right you know and, and people don't like to do that i mean if if we're talking about in general yes like having to go there and sit in the discomfort doesn't feel good and i think that the 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 core fear underneath that is like well if i go there then i'll always be there i'll never get out of feeling that way and yeah. um and that is sort of always like the resistance and i think what holds us back from like feeling the feelings is like god it's so uncomfortable and then i'll never be able to get out of that place and when really it's just it's relieving pressure and we've talked about that before um You know, so controlling your controllables is sort of just something that it's like, well, what can you control? And it's so simple. And sometimes I feel so basic bitch, like, you know, (laughs) trying to like explain that to clients because I think everyone knows this. Everyone knows this, but they don't. And that's like what I have to remind myself as a therapist, because I go over this all day long. It's like, no, people don't know about just these basic very simple almost like cliche tools like having a short list of of accomplishments and doing them does something for your brain to be like okay I can do this okay I can do this I'm okay I'm okay I'm okay um when you are okay it's it's just doing the things that you can do like doing even if it's like I got up I brushed my teeth I ran a brush through my hair that was good um you know it's just Those things translate, you know, even just trying to overcome basic anxiety and depression and also trying to deal with hard, tense times where nothing seems normal at all. So it's just those, even though they're basic, they work. Like they're just, what can I do in my life to make sure that I feel like I'm I'm rounding out my day, my responsibilities, you know, as basic as they are.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and I like that highlight, right? Like the things that you can do, right? Your behaviors. So I think a lot of times we get so wrapped up in, in focused on the people that we care about or the people who are close to us in our lives and what they're doing. Right. And You know, I don't think we're ever going to get to a point in our human brains where we can remove ourselves from seeing another person's behaviors or being impacted by them. That's going to happen no matter what, but we can't control their behaviors. And I think a lot of times that's where we can find ourselves in trouble is when we think that we could either help change, fix, or control the situation of another human being um, as opposed to the control really comes back to like, how do you feel about yourself and how are you behaving? Yep, and that's really all we can control.
1: Absolutely, and even you know, even Facebook over the last like three months. I mean, if you unless you're living under a rock, you can kind of see how, you know. I I normally don't put like anything like that opinionated on my own personal Facebook page because, number one, I just don't like I I, I just don't because, and I think I put something. I I think, I was I was seeing so much division and I was just like I put something like you know may your Facebook po- post be the one to like change everyone's opinions you know or because like you know I think people come at it like there was there's just so much like abrasiveness and aggressiveness and I guess I under I understand why there, there needs to be right now. I get it. I do you know um as someone who is biracial. You know it's like I understand I understand the need and the call to action for that. But also I feel like, you know, the, we, we, there's so much like, even with like some of my own family members, like sometimes I'll read what they'll post and I'm like, I don't think you reached anyone with that. Sorry. You know what I mean? And it's like, how do we, You know, and, and you're, you're, you're worrying too much about like what other people and and you're, you're in complete distress and shut down because of other people's actions. And that's a hard space to live in. That's exhausting. And, you know, I think some people wouldn't agree. Some people are like, no, no, you need to, you need to fight and you need to be aggressive and you need to get in people's faces. You know, but I also think there's a cost to that. There's a price to pay with that kind of stuff, especially if you don't know how to take care of your mental well-being.
0: Yeah, you know, and that's where it's been really interesting to to hear the conversations, right? Like being a white male during this time, but also a white male who, who cares, right? Who has paid attention to these things for a long time and, and has walked alongside a lot of people who advocate in a lot of different ways for, you know, racial equality and, you know, and different feminist movements and, and just kind of been there and, and been a support. It's interesting during these times mm-hmm. to see what conversations are unfolding and how people are going about it. And, and also to just kind of, you know, like with the uh, persons of color that I treat on my caseload to have conversations of just, hey, I don't know until you tell me, right, what your experience in life is, right? And, and I think that's a lot of what our society needs more of right? These cops need more fucking training on what it means to put themselves in someone else's shoes and to not always have to be the expert, you know, to not always be self-righteous and, and also to not be fucking outrageously violent and, and disregard for human life, you know? And, and it's interesting too. I I think the point that you're touching on is like, we use social media and, and also in the, Um, riots right as opposed to peaceful protests and that's what's getting seen most consistently right as opposed to the people who are out there protesting using their voices and and sure right being I I think appropriately at times aggressive about getting the things out there but also reminding everyone like hey don't throw a rock through that window because that's when they get violent because violent begets violence Mm -hmm. right like that's what we're going to receive if that's what we give out and so, I, I mean, I just, I, I think during this time, like you highlighting that as well, is that social media can be a place to to spread the love, too, you know, as Absolutely. opposed to violence.
1: I think it's, um, you know, and a lot of people are like, don't stay quiet, say something, do something, be active. And then they do. And then people throw stones, you know, figuratively speaking, where it's like, you know, no, you didn't do that right. You didn't say that right. And so people are fearful of saying something and and you know another part of that conversation is like well tough shit like you know be okay with being uncomfortable or someone getting angry with you for maybe saying the wrong thing while you're learning about you know what the right kind of language to use is now with this movement um that it's um but I think you know people aren't quite ready for that like they they would rather just be like I, I'm just going to turn all of this off and pretend it's not It's not there um, because I don't want to get my ass handed to me for saying the wrong thing or for, you know, trying to have a hard conversation, you know, anything like that. It's just so there's a lot of there's just a lot of like it's I mean, it's 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 one of the tensest times I've ever seen uh, other than like elections times and things like that on Facebook where it's like, whoa, it's a it's a lot. It's just a lot to swallow right now
0: yeah you know and like i i get that on on a lot of levels because I, I think you know like i've touched on a minute ago like being a white male during this time and also being a therapist who yes. uh you know has a very uh specific code of ethics and also adheres to them and cares about them right yeah. it's, it's been really interesting about a conversation and i think you and i had this conversation of when do I, when do I use my voice and how do I do that to support this cause? And it's been a real interesting, uh, balance, but I, I think what I, what I keep coming back to is, you know, for a guy who uses his voice in a lot of ways, I think at this point, right, it, it's really become a conversation of not necessarily for me finding the right thing to say, except for I, I hear you and I'm with you. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And that's, that's kind of
0: where I focus my efforts is I don't need to be the front, you know, the front line of the protests um, you know, maybe every so often I, I might go to one uh but I don't need to be up front. I need to be there, I need to hear, I need to listen, and I need to support where I can you know and mm-hmm. and that's kind of the message i think for for anyone who's doing some of these things right now if you're coming from a white perspective is I hear you and I'm with you right that's that's what's needed i think for like from my perspective um right. in trying to navigate this as well as a professional too right. how do how do I support
1: you know. And so much of being a therapist, too, this is just, you know, general basic therapist 101 stuff is like, when a client comes into your office, it's not not about you anymore, even though you're trying to have a very um, strong interpersonal therapeutic, you know, allegiance with this person. Um, And yet, you also have to... It's so much of being a therapist is knowing and learning about how to take off the sunglasses that you've been conditioned, you know, like your lenses, the way that you see the world, the way that the world should or shouldn't be. We all have that. And so, so much of that skill in therapy is to be able to take those glasses off and not filter anything that comes out um, of your mouth through... <clears throat> the filter that is yours, you know, it's like it's more, you know, it's just that that neutral dance. It's it's so difficult to do, especially when <clears throat> there's crazy times like this and big subjects and big things to talk about. You know, it's like you know, not not letting that, you know. And there's there's been some talk. There's a, um, you know, I don't know if you're a part of it. It's the therapists in private practice. It's a huge yeah. Facebook group. Yeah. And there's so many discussions there about like, you know, some, some clients are like, you need to just remain neutral and you need to not be really, you know, you just kind of need to, to hold the, hold the space for, you know, everyone who comes in. Cause everyone is going to be on this, everyone's opinions has this like complete, it's a spectrum So you need to like, not, and some people are like, no, like that's, you know, you need to stand up for what, what is, what is right. And people are like, yeah, but what is like, what is the right thing to do in that, you know, in that environment? And so it's a really, it's a really interesting conversation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think what we're, what we're finding, and, and I won't get too opinionated on this is, um, I think we, the people are going to have to take back a little bit more fucking power, you know, a little bit more decision and and say, and and also know how uh, with these laws that are being passed and not just take them at face value. And you know, we can get into a political discussion there and and that's not my forte. And I really don't give a shit about politics and and maybe I should, maybe that's part of the conversation here is, is paying a little bit more attention to some of these things that are coming down the pike and, and, and that'll be an internal conversation to have, but, yep. you know, knowing that we're paying attention, I think is, is probably the change that, uh, that probably needs to happen. It's more of us paying attention. Absolutely. Yeah. But speaking of those, uh, those glasses, right. That we take on and off, what inspired you to put on the therapeutic glasses and in the wide range of therapeutic um, bifocals that we have access to?
1: Right. Oh man. Um, You know, growing up, I knew I wanted to be in a helping role. Um, My mom's a nurse, she's a registered nurse, and my dad is also a therapist and a very good one. And I think his work, watching, he'd come home and have stories and, you know, he also worked with um, lots of adolescents, and I loved hearing about you know, these, you know, I'd be little, and he'd be like, well, today, you know, I went to this group home, and, you know, and this is, you know, like, you know, this is the the group that I'm working with, and these are the things that I got to do, and, and that was so, like, wow, Um, inspiring. That, that was, that's my earliest memory that I have of just, like, that's super cool. I want to, I want to help people facilitate their lives improving or them feeling better about themselves or them healing. Like I just, that always felt good in my bones. Um, So I would definitely say that Apple doesn't fall far from the tree uh, in that regard. But I think, you know, I went through a period of time where I I didn't know really what I, you know, I went through high school and, you know, went to USC and, you know, most of us, you know, females you know that were kind of just didn't really know what to do it was like well we'll just be a communications major you know (laughs) like we'll go into pr we'll go into marketing or whatever and i i there was you know i loved writing i knew that i loved to write i knew that i loved people um i didn't you know want to be behind a desk you know i just i wanted to be active so i just i didn't know what that looked like for me um and so I ended up just picking something general. I was like, you know, I'm just going to get my, my degree in English so that I can be a better writer and, you know, um, better with communication, that kind of stuff. I just wanted to be able to, to hone in on those skills. And I thought if I become a teacher or a therapist, that'll be a good foundation to have. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where I got started. And I thought, you know, I kind of deviated a little bit and thought maybe I wanted to write for a magazine that did not work out. Um, and so I look back at my path and I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad that I went down kind of the road that I did. Um, because it, you know, it always ended up pushing me in the right, it ended up pushing me onto the road that I'm now on every single time anyway. And, um, and I got a job after my undergrad year at Girls Incorporated, which is um, there's locations all over the U.S., but um, the closest one here is in Costa Mesa, and um, it was working with um, really, you know, the the goal was to empower girls ages four to eighteen, um, and you know, most of the population. I mean, we had we had. Girls from all socioeconomic levels, but a lot of the girls that we worked with were at more of a disadvantage than um, you know, just because of where they lived. Um, a lot of them were first generation um, and you know they were trying to you know be more empowered. I mean the whole mission is like you know um, uh smart. Old, I'm missing the other one right now because my coffee hasn't kicked in, but it's, I mean, the, the things that we would teach them would be these, you know, it was like economic literacy and, you know, having the hard conversations about body image and, you know, uh, preventing, you know, you know, health issues like, you know, STDs and, you know, preventing teen pregnancy and, and just having the crucial conversations that sometimes get missed um, with any demographic, but um, it was an amazing job. And I was there for almost three years. I kind of went back and forth, back and forth. um, And I loved it. I just, I loved being with those girls. I loved um, my some of my favorite, my favorite age and people, some clinicians are like, God bless you. Uh, But I love working with girls ages like 13 to 15. That's like Mm. just so much fun. And people are like, "That's one big walking hormone," and I'm like, "I know," and I love it. It's just
0: (laughs) hey, someone's got to
1: do it. I mean, they're children, but they're not babies, and they are trying to figure out like their their social role in the world. And it's just it's so fascinating to watch them and. And so many of the girls that I mentored and helped and, you know, um, and taught, I, you know, I'm still in contact with, and these, these women are professionals have gone off to get, you know, getting their doctorates and, you know, these are first generation, um, kids that, you know are at more of a disadvantage because they are first generation. Like, let's be honest, like you sometimes don't have a leg up with that kind of stuff because just you don't have access to the resources and Girls Inc was all about helping girls get these resources that are really accessible for everybody but it's just about knowing where to go. And um, so I loved that. And then, I don't know what it was, but it was like I had sort of just this like light bulb moment where I was like, I need to go back and get my my master's degree in social work because I love social policy. I love the macro stuff, but I also, I wanted to do what my dad did. Um, I wanted to be a therapist. I wanted to have a private practice. I love working and talking with people. And um, so I went into um, I got in to social work school. I entered in 2007. Um, so it was two years of full time. And, and through that I worked with, I thought maybe I wanted to do like the severely and persistently mentally ill. Um, so I tried that hat on. Um, and then I did a lot of just community outreach stuff, community mental health in the city of Costa Mesa. And I just, I was in love. I just, you know, you probably had that, like, that clicked moment where it was just like, this is my calling. This is what I w- this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's never, that's really never wavered. I have lots of interests as you know. Yeah. Um, I have <laughs> lots and lots of things that I do, but
0: yeah, if I ever need <laughs> to work on my eyelashes, I'm just,
1: Hey, yeah, <laughs> you know, and I did, I shoot, <clears throat> like I wanted to be a makeup artist at some point in high school. I, wanted to write, I wanted to you know there's there's so many things that I like I, you know I love fitness it's
0: well it's, it's I, one of the things I, I love about this field and doing this work is is yeah okay, we wear the hat of the therapist, but I think it allows us right like and I was kind of talking about this with Serena and Samantha in the last podcast where like it demands us to do our work and the funny yeah. thing about doing your work is it's painful in the beginning but then it leads to so much freedom right so there's so many things that I would love to do in this life. And I think because doing this work, it's going to open the door to do those other things.
1: Yes. And you should, I, I just, I don't, I can't, I'm a terrible like employee in the sense of like, if I don't (laughs) like to do something, I just, I won't do it. Now, not everyone is like that, but I'm, I've known that about myself from, you know, a really long, if it feels like work, I'm not going to end up doing a good job. And that's i know myself i've done enough work to know that about myself and i'm okay with it i used to feel bad about it um but i need to i i there's no way that i could have a job that and maybe that's just my own like privilege but like i just i <sighs> I needed to do something that felt good, that felt fulfilling, where I felt like I was contributing and helping and, you know, making a difference. And, um, and if, and even, even through all of my, you know, my passions and my endeavors, you know, from having a, a mom and baby fitness franchise, you know, in my, you know, mid twenties to, you know, having my degree in social work to, you know, loving beauty stuff you know it's the general undercurrent of that is like i want everyone to feel like they can self-actualize step into themselves feel good you know so that's what i learned about myself it's just like okay like that's that's what i like doing i i couldn't i'm i have to be in the helping profession of some sort
0: yeah and like being a model for that and I also hear right that, that internal dialogue, right. That I'm plagued by the same thing at times of like, not just my perfectionism of like, Ooh, you know, I messed this up and I would have liked to be able to do this better in a work environment, but also like, you know, and, and, and this is, it plays into the conversation we're having earlier. is like checking my privilege and entitlement. Right. And those things, you know, I think in work environments, especially early or when you're younger or when you're not doing your work, um, that are harder to see. It's harder to pay attention to. It's harder to pick up on the nuanced um, emotional impacts of entitlement and privilege in these things. And so, you know, I think if if you're listening to this and there's no other reason to go and and sit with a therapist, it's to be able to understand and and pay attention to the nuanced details that occur in our lives, right? And, And to be able to look at that with grace. And as you were touching on that and like, and, and just as long as I've known you being a model for like self-actualization, it's also that ability, you know, that you were touching on too, to like look and say, like, Hey, these are my shortcomings too, but I have all these assets. Right. And there's a balance here. Right? There's a balance and, yes. and uh, that's something I've always seen you, you model and, and just as a friend. And as long as you've been in my life, I've always appreciated you for that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, getting older, I don't know. We, we talk about, you know, we live in a society that it's like, we don't want to get older. We don't want to get older. It's like, we're one of the only like societies in like on the globe. That's like really like, Oh no. You know? Um, but getting older is rad and you know, I really, I think, you know, I'm 36, you know, I'll be 37 in, in August. And I'm like, this is the best time of my life, you know? And I, and that's so much of, you know, you know, the work in therapy is like, you know, um, wanting to show people like the crystal ball and be like, if I just had a crystal ball to show you like, you know, all of these, you know, potentials that you have that you just kind of, you know, I, I was, I said this in a group when we were doing a group the other day, but it's like downloading the, the potentials that are already kind of plugged in for you. You know, it's like, that is so, powerful to like understand and like internalize that it's like wow I mean it is really right there for me to access and sometimes going to therapy is like having someone validate and be like and this is how you download those things you know because I don't know I, I think we we overthink a lot about You know, it's like, I I don't have access or I can't, I can't get to these things. And so, so much of therapy is, is sometimes just that bridging to be like, no, bro, like, you know, you can do this. It's right here
0: for you. And in case you were wondering, that's literally, especially in groups, like, no, bro, no, that's how we talk. (laughs) Absolutely. What a a beautiful segue, right? And I think a doorway into giving some people uh, some perspective or insight into how Sarah Carmona operates in her practice, right. With uh, just like some of, um, you know, I guess the lack of better way of putting it, the crystals, right. As well as the spirituality and the openness to downloading from uh, different spiritual avenues and the astrology uh, behind the work that you do. That is absolutely brilliant. And and I am always fascinated by, I have no desire in my practice to dabble into it, but in my personal life, I always come to you for some of those spiritual advisor moments. For sure. But I would, would love to have
1: a, you have an Aries moon, you have a, you're a Libra with an Aries moon, which is <laughs> that's fire and air, honey. Like that's, but you know, you're right. It's um, I'm glad that you kind of mentioned that because I think an important topic um, for people to know, especially if they want to start therapy or they're thinking about it is that we all have our niches. We all have our specialties You know, I personally have been to a therapist that was very by the book, very serious, Um, you know, very, you know, at five till she would be like, you know, if I, if I was in the middle of a sentence, she'd be like, we have five minutes, like, and she would cut off, you know, and she was just very old school and very serious. Some people like that. Some people like that structure. It's predictable. Um, And I've had other therapists that were a lot more conversational, a lot more loose with with things. And my style is very conversational. Um, I would rather my clients feel like they walked out of my office having a really good, helpful conversation where they felt heard, validated, um, but also had a good talk. And um, that it wasn't too, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you know, they were, my therapist was just listening and then trying to kind of, you know, I'm trying to find the words for it, but it's, um,
0: dissect my life and put the together Yeah. That.
1: Yeah. That, um, and you know, and some people, I have clients sometimes that come in with very, they're like, I want to talk about these three main things and I need goals for these three main things. And I don't want to digress or deviate too much. Cool. I can be a chameleon for you. Um, or I have clients that come in and just want to shoot the ship for an hour. And, you know, every now and then I have to bring them back to like, okay, you originally came in for this. How do you want to? Let's refocus. Um, you know, but I think my point is, is that like to find a therapist that like you vibe with. I mean, I've definitely, and as it's harder for us because we are therapists. So it's it's hard for me to find a therapist sometimes. because Sometimes I'm like, I know what you're doing. In session, but, um, you know, it's so important to find someone that you can, you know, like those moments where you're like, Oh God, I'm going to be like, I feel like I'm going to be judged for saying this to feel like I'm going to say it. And I know that my therapist isn't going to judge me and make a face or, or insert their you know, put their lens on and be like, Oh, you know, like, so it's important. Well, yeah,
0: so, I think, what? you know, like you were touching on, we all have our different niches and to know thyself, to know what that niche is and because it, it allows you to build that rapport that you're talking about. I think, you know, like <clears> I attract <throat> a different type of client than you attract. And what's funny is you and I work very closely together. You totally. know, we have such a wide range on our, our little, team right that that we stayed close to and and we all have our different approaches and that's also what works is that I know if someone walks into my office and it's not a fit that I've got hey this feels like Sarah would be you know this person wants to explore the moon and the sun and the stars in between let's get them (laughs) over to Sarah right (laughs) I don't I don't know that shit. I I, I like it (laughs) I enjoy it but I don't know it. Let's get let's get them over to Sarah. Or you know but like more on like that free flowing spiritual plane. Um, whereas like, I enjoy the spiritual aspects, but I take a very mu- I, I take a very concrete approach to the 12 steps yes. to my spirituality. And I think yes. that gravitates, um, you know, like you, like how you would refer to someone to me, um, that is working out really well because he has a very similar, um, foundation of the way he views the world. Um, yes. and that rapport built real quick. And, and it's about finding, and like you were saying, knowing that fit.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, and I have to, you know, in the beginning, I had to kind of check myself because yes, I am a little bit more of like the holistic woo woo therapist where, you know, I do have a shelf of crystals next to me over there. And, you know, I do Do not all always, huh?
0: Do you put them in your water?
1: No, I don't do that. (laughs) I can't do that with every crystal, but, um, but I do, you know, I put my crystals out when it's a full moon when it's appropriate uh to get a sun uh, moon bath, but, but you know i I digress but uh <laughs> the uh you know the straw the clinical astrology stuff you know astrology isn't therapy, but it can be therapeutic and I would say a lot of my clients are very open to hearing about it. some people seek me out purposefully for that, and I think I struggled a lot, even like with my my personal, like my professional Facebook page for my, um, my practice. I'm, you know, it's Sarah Carmona, integrative psychotherapist and clinical astrologer. And I struggled a lot with putting clinical astrologer because I thought, oh my God, you know, like people are going to be like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. But that's okay because maybe I really should be attracting a certain kind of a client because my style is a certain kind of a way. And Don't get me wrong, though. I still get some very serious types that, like, are really okay with it, but, like, don't want anything to do with that. Um, and that's cool with me. I can do that. But I I had to really be okay with, like, knowing what my style is and knowing that I'm not going to attract everyone. And in the beginning of starting my practice, I was like, oh, no, I want to attract everyone. But the fact of the matter is I can't work with everyone. It's not no, all good yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't want to work with everyone. You know? Right. So sometimes you get that call where you're like, Oh my God, dude, don't, don't come to my office. You yeah. know, This isn't, this isn't going to work. Like, right. and, and not out of judgment, but Hey, here's a referral, right? I'm yes. never going to end a call without giving a referral. Yes. This isn't going to work for me. Right. Yeah. And and I won't even say that like it out loud like that. Like, Hey, I think after doing this assessment, I think I have a better fit for you. I want you to call this person and they have an opening on, you know, such and such, or I know they have spots open right now. I would implore you to call this person. And I think that's why you called me first is to get closer to the person who's fit for you.
1: Absolutely. And that's where you know, and even I tell all of my newer clients who are, you know, and you have a good system where it's like four sessions, let's reevaluate and see if we're still working together. Well, Um, and usually you can tell by like, you know, and I want to bring this kind of topic up next, but um, what the, the second session, that's always really interesting. Um, But uh, usually you can tell, and I'm, When I meet my clients and I bring them in and we've had our consultation and they come in, I always tell them, hey, listen, if at any point during our relationship you think this isn't working anymore um, or you're not getting what you need or you think you need something different, you know, it's not, I, I want you to know that you can say, you know, I'd like to try something different and that I will always send you in the right direction and give you referrals because I want you to find your fit. And if it isn't me, I'm not going to be angry about it. That's not my, it's not my place. I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea. That's okay. Right. right. Um. You know, so that, that's a huge, that's a huge deal as yeah. you know, as a therapist to be able to do that.
0: For sure. Have I ever told you behaviorally why I do the, the four and then reevaluate? No. So Good. in, so I attract twelve steppers, and this is what I really appreciated about what what you were sharing is like astrology isn't therapy, but it's therapeutic, and that's kind of the same approach I take with the twelve steps. It's the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous or Al-Anon or any twelve step program is not therapy, but it's therapeutic, yes. and so in any twelve step program, when you're new to being a twelve stepper, the request is that you show up to six meetings before you decide you're not coming back, and so mine is. I want you to show up for four sessions with me before we decide that this is a fit, because I know that at the end of four sessions, if it's not a fit, I'm going to refer you to someone and then you're probably going to go to at least two before you decide they're not a fit either. And so then you're at the six and you already have it ingrained that, hey, I gave this a shot for for six hours, you know. And so when they tell me at the program, I need to come to at least six of these meetings, you've already done it. And so whether or not this shit works for me, that seed was planted. And, and I, I think that's also why I attract 12-steppers, because I know how that program works, right? Yeah. You got to you gotta show up consistently, and, and we don't do that in the
1: beginning. <laughs> yes, so. absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And, you know, I remember when you told me, I'm like, I should adopt something like that, because there has been not very many times, um, you know, because I, I, I'd like to say that I'm, I'm a pretty good judge of character from the get-go. I can be like, okay, I think this is going to work. Um, but you know and you know and i was going to ask you like what do you feel like is the because i people other therapists have said like oh i always get a little bit nervous for the first session for me i'm like i am stoked to meet you like i can't wait um the second session for me is always a little bit more awkward because um i only met you one time I had some time to kind of sit and marinate in all of the information that I got from you. And I also am working, I have to work really hard to sometimes uh, recall some stuff from like the first session, which typically comes easy if I look over my notes. Um, But also it's like, it's just a, it's a really interesting, like I feel like the third session is like, okay, now we're in a groove, fourth session, like definitely in a groove by then. It's always that second session that's kind of like, huh, like, where are we with this? It's, you yeah. know, going back over stuff that was brought up in the first session.
0: Right. Yeah. Rehashing and, and checking each other out, and making sure, like, hey, you know, I, I came back and I kind of like you. You know, I yeah. Be, yeah. You know, it, it, it's interesting too, because, like, um, well, and you know me well by now. Like, I'm a social fucking butterfly. So when I first stepped into private practice, I had those, I had those nerves simply because I didn't know what I was doing. I remember like those first couple sessions, like in, in even those, those second sessions, I was like, you know, what do I do here? Um, but, you know, I, I'd say like at this point, settling into my groove, I've got a consistent caseload. Um, you know, I'm, like you were saying, I'm always eager for the next person to come in. And, and, you know, as long as they're within my wheelhouse, I know I can help them. And, yep. and the one thing I've gotten a lot smoother at is like, I know if I can't help them, I, I have no problem making a referral real quick and making sure that they have, um, you know, like one of our clinician friends was saying in, in our meeting the other day of like, part of why I do this work is because, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, you're getting the appropriate care. Like if you come across my path, you know, part of the care that I can provide you is getting you to the place to get the appropriate care. Right. And so <clears throat> I would say, you know, not so much um, nervousness for me in those regards, I think just because for whatever reason, my foundation is as a so- social butterfly. Um, but I've definitely had some some unease in not knowing what I was doing. And that comes up a lot that that is where my um, initial anxiousness will come up and I process those things with my therapist on a weekly yeah. basis, um, of just, you know, making sure I'm taking care of myself so that when the new thing comes up and I'm like, Oh, you know, I haven't worked with this before. Uh, it's taking a deep breath and knowing like, well, I'm surrounded by a beautiful community with a ton of resources. Um, right. and I'm lucky in that, right. That's, that's part of, uh, that's part of my privilege, you know, as a clinician, right. If we're talking totally. privilege within our profession, I have a lot of people I can refer to.
1: Definitely. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's uh, starting a private practice was definitely like I, every single call. It was like yes, yes, just come in, just come in. And now I'm way more selective, way yeah. more selective. Um, you know, and it's it's so it's nice. It was even like you know I I found myself getting burnt out kind of around the holidays because I was just kind of I was letting clients kind of come in whenever they wanted. It was right. like, oh, that's your availability, you know. Um, just kind of come on in because I just want, I just want, you know. But I've had a shift right after, you know, the holidays where I was like, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, I'm going to have set hours, and if you can come in, great. And if you can't, that's okay. Like, uh, we'll we'll find you something, some somewhere else, some someone else that can accommodate you. Yeah. Um, and that's been that's been huge. That's been a huge lesson. I had to learn it. I had to walk through it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think we all do in our our own capacities. I think you you and I just learned it together with, uh, you know, with a patient who doesn't need to be identified reaching out after a while. And then it turned out that the fit was for him to work with me. And the fit is like, you know, it's like, boom, right there in the groove um and so i i just think going with the flow in in our professions right no matter what profession you're in if you're listening to this it's like you know just trusting that you you're surrounded by the resources that you need and and like you were saying uh before we got on the podcast is trusting that the universe will catch you when you decide to step out into uh your brilliance yep definitely definitely Could could you maybe highlight for us what some of that brilliance of yours looks like like how like some of the the, like little things you might do within the realm of like the astrological or um, some of the signs uh as far as like um like birth signs and and
1: things like that the really cool shit that you do that I that I always that <laughs> <laughs> you make fun of me for but in a playful yes. cool way but you do like it because you know yeah I, you know I've, it's, I've given you lots of different things and you're like shit that's right Um yeah.
0: well it's it's like the it's it's the word woo woo and and but everyone uses it and I I love the woo-woo stuff but there's still that part of me where like I'm a 12-stepper man give me give me the tangible shit that's right under my feet yes (laughs) that's what I understand
1: right (laughs) and you know and that's where you know gosh uh, my foundation is you know rooted in a lot of just mindfulness-based therapy you know which is like you can tie a lot of you know, mindfulness principles to like CBT being in the here and now, you know, tackling thoughts that, you know, lead to emotions that lead to unsavory behaviors. Like that's, that's pretty much what mindfulness is, um, to not spiral out. And so that's my biggest foundation. But, um, the other things like the website, you see that, like, you know, I'm also a registered yoga teacher. I don't actually teach So, you know, and that's another thing is that I think people think that yoga is like an adult group stretch class. And it's not like it was never meant to be that we've, we've turned it into that. And it's lovely because we have, you know, we have sangha, which is community. um, And that is why people go because you can be in a a room in proximity, you know, with other people and you, the only reason we do, you know, asana is the physical postures is to to kind of move energy through the body so that the mind is quiet for the most important pose at the end of a class, which is savasana or final resting pose. Um, so it's very hard. If I was to ask you to lay on the ground right now, okay, start meditating. Like just be still, you'd be like, but I, I was just in a conversation, like my mind is going a million miles an, an hour. So that's the reason why we do that. But that's not necessarily what yoga is. That's, you know, that's like 10%. That's like the tip of the iceberg. Right. So that philosophy is also, you know, governed by ethics of social work and, and things like that. I use a lot of extremely ancient... Uh, yoga philosophy as some of the framework and the you know the fabric of how I do stuff as well I have a lot of clients that seek me out for that kind of stuff because even when you read yoga sutras you see so many different parallels to even like dbt like radical acceptance and things like that it's you know where they got their root
0: you know if you do the research that's where it all started
1: and so that's very comforting to me, knowing that these principles and these, um, these uh, secrets of like human happiness without like wigging the fuck out, you know, are over 6,000 years old and have continued to pass on. And now they're kind of woven in the fabric of evidence-based practice, which is really right, wasn't, cool.
0: That's what was chiseled onto the tablet is uh, how to not wig the fuck out. So this is our first how-to book.
1: essentially yes that's like you know every um my one of my you know mentors that you know taught me the sutras um he his name's robert he uh he basically was like the you know the yoga sutras were basically written um to show people you know how to have the human experience without wigging the fuck out and that has always stuck with me it's like that's right it's like how to how to step outside yourself and be like, oh, okay, like a long time ago, yogi sages knew our thoughts were the problem, and they also know that our thoughts are the solution. So I like to adopt that into my practice because that's it just it's aligned with my own values and then it,
0: it, you know if, if we pause there too right that's a concept that shows up in, in any theory any modality right in in any behavioral change you make is the balance right is it's finding a balance it's like in the 12 steps it would be like the balance between your character defects and your character assets and knowing that your character defects could just quickly become an asset as an asset can become a defect and finding yeah. your balance um in a place of and that's where i liked that you were saying like some of these things are rooted in your thoughts are the problem but they're also a solution and uh, how do we how do we get there
1: how do we yeah exactly so you know and then you know with astrology i you know and i've studied astrology since i was little um and then it only really took more of an advanced turn a couple of years ago where i was like you know this is so helpful and i i found that you know just in my community of friends and family and even clientele, I'd be like, wow, you know, it's like I said, not therapy, but it's therapeutic to know that you're, and we've studied the archetypes for thousands of years, thousands of years. I mean, you look at the disc assessment, you know, MBTI, you know, Enneagram, people want to know where they fit in. And so astrology is one of the oldest sciences in the world. Um, we've studied it for thousands of years. Um, so when I look at what the, the, what I do, and this is kind of, you know, I only do natal astrology, um, is I take, uh, your birth chart and, you know, and Freud and Carl Jung used to actually do this with their clients too, back in the day. So just of, to slow that, that
0: down for a moment, right? Natal astrology. So we're talking about birth stuff.
1: Birth. Basically. The way that I like to explain it is that you were in a sensory deprived environment for nine, 10 months, you know, in your mother's body. And when you were born, you were imprinted with whatever energy was happening on the outside. And so people are like, well, how is that possible? And I'm like, well, you go and you open up your calendar right now, your scheduler, we track the moon and we've been tracking the moon for a very long time. And we know that it affects all kinds of things, you know, you know, it's, it's no secret that full moons are, you know, are, there's a a big change in behavior. Um, there's lots of different things.
0: You had explained it once in in a way that resonated with me and we were just having a conversation about it of, you know, the moon affects the waves, right? It affects the way that the water moves on earth and we're 80% water. You know, and and that's something I've heard repeated many times. But in that conversation, I was like, "Well, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. That there's there's something going on in this universe that's impacted by more than just what's going on on my block." You
1: know? Right. Absolutely. And that's our closest celestial entity <clears throat> that we have is the moon. So, you know, when you think of some of these other massive, you know, you know, cosmos, those things have an effect on us too. Um, in fact, you know a fun fact, it's like, you know, Saturn is in Aquarius right now, Pluto's in Capricorn right now, Neptune is in Pisces, those are r- really big deals, Um, so it's like, and I was telling, I think I, I might have discussed this with you, but, you know, every time Saturn is in Aquarius, something big happens in, like, the humanitarian world, Um, there's some sort of good or bad change, but it's a big change. Um, and that's, that's what Aquarius, that's the archetype of Aquarius. But, um, so what I do, natal, and that's what I do, is like that birth stuff. So what you're imprinted with, um, what's going on in the heavens at that time. Um, and so it's as if, when you look at a birth chart, you would if you've never seen one, you'll look at it and go, I don't even know what I'm looking at. But it's actually very simple, and I, I usually teach my clients the basics but it's as if someone took a camera and took a picture of where the planets were when you were born and slapped them together in a 2D type of a Mm. diagram. Um, And from there, I can look at the relationships of, you know, the planets and where they were. um, And, you know, people just as, you know, I'll share this little fact is like, people know, they usually know what their sun sign is. You know, you knew that you were a Libra. Yeah. I know that I'm a Libra.
0: For a long time, yeah.
1: But that's where the sun was. That's just one crumb of the cake. Um, so, you know, the the moon, your moon sign, your the moon was somewhere when you were born. Um, in your case, it was, you know, in Aries. Um, and you also have an ascendant, which rules the physical self or an esoteric astrology rules the soul. Um, so you want to think more of your personality as three people in a room, not just one, you know? Yeah. So it's that's very helpful to show people like, Hey, um, here's where things come easy. Here's some challenges. And they're like, Oh my God, thank God. I'm not crazy. That makes so much sense. And that's where that like, and that's why I do what I do.
0: Yeah. You know, and like just to, to highlight, cause I, I imagine there, there may be some people listening to this like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of interested. This is a little woo woo. Like that's what, that's the same boat I was in when Sarah first introduced me to some of these things. And I remember sitting there in that room when we were at the hospital and you were going through some of these things. And I was like, this is, this is a little woo woo for me. And then you read some of the stuff and I was like, holy shit. That like, I resonate with that very, very hard, you know? And, yeah. and I think it really is like, you know, I'm a, I'm an educated guy. I try to stay as grounded as I can in, in the foundation of like mindfulness and and just kind of being a good person. Yes. And although this was woo-woo, it came right alongside the beliefs and values and also some of the struggles I've had in my life and yes. the ways that like my personality manifests. It's really interesting.
1: It is very interesting. <clears throat> so that's that's the that's the that's the therapy, is like having your uh all of your layers and special it's a basically permission slip to be yourself yeah yeah like you know and so then when you can see oh okay I'm supposed to do this I'm not supposed I'm not supposed to change I promised to be more of a you know a more of a ball busting uh you know leader independent and I've always felt so bad about that but I'm like no like you promised you would you were gonna do this in this lifetime. So, you know, how do you you know, and then there's all kinds of things that I do with the the elements and you know, I even bring it into groups like you know, where I teach people just very, very basic stuff about what kind of energy they have, you know, earth, air, fire, water and you know we all have roles on this planet and so it's it's fun. It's a that's it's so much fun. Um well, and that's, love, that's yeah. really
0: it, right? Like the fun doorways that we get to walk through to process this human experience, right? Like, and, and that's always like, I know I've run groups with you before. And, and also when I run some of my own groups with some of the things that you've taught me,
1: like, yeah. um,
0: you know, it's like, hey, <clears throat> let's just be open. This this doesn't have to mean that all of a sudden you believe in the woo-woo and the ethereal and the things in the sky. This could just very well be an open process about like, hey, what came up for you when you read that or heard that? Right. And in what we know is at least in our reality, you're here and you just had an experience. Let's use yeah. that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you just take what you like and leave the rest. I mean, right. I it's just uh it's an opportunity for you to self-actualize a little bit more, you know, and so and I'm I'm just a big I'm I'm a big uh advocate for you know, stepping into some people are like, I don't want to have a Scorpio moon. And I'm like, that's tough shit. Like (laughs) you have one, fall in love with it, fall in love with yourself, please. And so that's, that's my goal with clinical astrology is, you know, it it basically comes down to brass tacks of self-esteem and self-worth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, it's like, um, I was just hearing someone share this in a meeting, but it's like, uh, when you share gratitude for the things that you have in your life or who you are or, or what's around you in your life, like there was a gentleman who was really struggling to get the whole recovery thing in the program of al on. And, and every day he started, like he'd walk by his table or his desk or or his TV or his bed and he'd touch it and say, I'm, I'm grateful for you. Today, right. And something shifted inside of him. You know, I, I don't know what worked, but that guy's been in the program for a really long time. And he's one of the guys looking at him like, I want what you got. Right. You see yeah. out of balance here. And so falling in love with and being grateful for the things that you already got, right? The things that are right there around you, um, I think brings us back to the conversation we were having in the beginning is the wonderful opportunity, like for peaceful protests. We get to love the fact that we get that opportunity.
1: Yes.
0: We get to love the fact that right now, even though we're in the face of a pandemic, we got our homes and we got places where we can shelter in place. There's a lot to be thankful. for.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) So I was
0: wondering, Sarah, if you could, if you could highlight Sassy, the other ladies is too, that have, that have come on, on the show already, if you could highlight just a little bit, um, or maybe just, uh, one aspect of, of something that you offer, right. When you're working with someone just for or in the way of self-growth, like maybe an intervention that you use or something quick and, and to the point that you utilize, um, and we could even put it in the framework of like staying grounded. Cause I know that's kind of been the theme of what we're talking about stages, Maybe something that you like to utilize—that's a quick go-to that you have in your toolbox.
1: Okay. Mainly because um, I
0: want to steal it too. So.
1: Yes, and you will—you will, you will <laughs> steal this because I stole this from um, actually my wife's therapist. Who, you know, like it's funny because, um, you know, we we all take from each other, and so, and I actually, when my wife was telling me about, you know, hey, uh, you know, Anne starts this off. She always starts off session by saying this. And mm-hmm. I started using and I use it now almost every single session because it's incredibly helpful. Um, and so, you know, I want to give credit where credit's due cause it's not mine, but Thank one of the ran. things that I like to do, because usually when a client comes in, it's like, you kind of hobnob and do some small talk really quick. How was, it? you know, blah, blah, blah. And Oh my gosh. And the weather and Oh my God, it's so fucking hot today and blah, blah, you know, all those kinds of things. Um, sometimes you have clients that lead you right into where you're going to focus on for the session and sometimes you don't and clients are kind of waiting for you to like like get it going and so one shake
0: shake it up guru what are we doing yeah
1: it's like (laughs) what you know what uh what are you going to give me and you know and there's so many ways that you can do this um it's like what you know And I've tried, what would you like to focus on for a session today? But that doesn't feel like me. So I don't, I don't like doing that. But Some people have used that and that's fine. But instead it's, um, what's on your worry list today? Oh, that leads me right to where they want to go. It takes me right where the client's at today.
0: I love that.
1: And that is been my, wow very easy intro tool every session almost every session unless I have a client who's like hey so oh my god I need to tell you about this blah 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 blah, like you know but it's it's been a very useful tool to take me right where the the client is at because that's you know that's what they teach us it's like meet the client where they're at instead of being like so I was going over your treatment plan and let's work on this today. You know, (laughs) and it's this is the
0: objective I set for you because it fits into the way insurance will bill it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So that's been my my little tool that's not, you know, it's not woo-woo or anything like that, but it's um it's just it's so helpful. And I, I wouldn't implore others to use it because it just every single time it's like, well. I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about this Um, a lot, you know, and it's like, and then the conversation usually flows beautifully. It's like, well, what else, what else is on your worry list? You know, if you've kind of, if you've taken that down the gamut, so it's, that's where you can get to some, the root of some issues. issues.
0: The meat and potatoes.
1: Meat and potatoes. And that's sort of like, I want to take my clients there faster because Mm you know how we call it doorknob conversation where it's like mm-hmm. they start walking out and you're like, wait, what the, why are you yeah. now bringing this up with 10 minutes till to, to go, you know,
0: right. dropping the bomb on me.
1: I hate that. So yeah. I've had to train myself how to train clients not to do that.
0: Right. So. Well, and, and I was sitting here thinking as I heard it, cause you know, I didn't know what you were going to share. Right. And, and as you started like, you know, giving the foundation of it, I all I often use like, hey, what, what do you want to work on today, brother? Or like, hey, you know, sis, what do you want to work on today? Where are we going? You know, and yeah. and you know, I take a very <laughs> I always take a very like jovial and like, you know, like I, I bring my personality into it and I'm very yeah. direct, but I'm also very goofy and that's just who I am as a human. Yep. But like as I heard that, I was like, Whoa, how powerfully inviting is that? Like and, and and I also like envision myself like that fits right into my personality. I could be as goofy as I want with that. I could be as direct as I want with that. I can be as open as I want with that. Like what's on your worry list today, motherfucker? Like, what do you want to talk about?
1: <laughs> right. Because yeah. instead of saying, because it's, it's, it's more open to be like, what would you like to focus on today is a lot more broad than what's on your worry list is like, let's get to the, Let's get to the source. Like what's yeah. bothering you is a That's little bit more more filtered. Yeah. And yeah. so, and it doesn't sound so it doesn't sound scary either. What's on your worry list. So it's like, well, a lot of things, you know, it's like uh, the state of the union. I haven't paid my car payment. I have it, you know, those, it, you can just, you can get into so many things. And it's yeah. it's taken, that question has taken me into some really beautiful sessions over the last, I only learned it maybe mm, six months ago. And so, and I feel like it it really turned a lot of sessions around.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think like even as a tool, you know, hearing it on here, if you're listening and contemplating therapy, like what's on your worry list, right? And if you're sitting there thinking, like, hey, I've got, I've got some uh, things on my worry list. Well, the conversation that's unfolding here, right, I hopefully, has been an invitation to, to see kind of some of the the benefits that there are to be able to go in and have a conversation uh, with a the therapist and know that there's new age therapists out there. This is what Sam and Serena and I were talking about. I was like there's a new wave, right? We're doing some really cool and interesting things out there and it doesn't have to be just stuffy and let's sit in front of each other and talk. I know I was just talking to Sam the other day about this. I take my patients on walks all the time. Like we're out and we're walking. I I like Mm -hmm. to move. My patients like to move. We get up and we go.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You know, I, and there's some, there's therapists out there that are very by the book, you know, like, like I said, with my own personal experience with one, very by the book, very professional, would never in a million years tell me anything about her life and would probably be the type to say, why do you want to know that about me if I asked something about, and and you know what, some people like to have that kind of distance between themselves and their therapist and that is okay. Um, That's not necessarily my style. A lot of the times I tell clients, if you wanna know something about my life within reason, I'll tell you about myself. And, and there's so much research, my favorite, and me and Samantha had a, uh, a supervisor together that we adored and she would tell us all the time. There's so much more, uh, coming out. That's like the, the better interpersonal connection you have with your client, um, the better off they are. And so, you know, um, I remember being in grad school and, and I had a very old school professor who was like, you know, if the client says this, you know, you can say, you know, more like, well, why do you want to know that about me? And I think that there is some, there's a clinical piece to that that's important, but also I, I remember being like, I don't think I'll ever be that therapist. I yeah. think, no. I just don't, I don't. Yeah. It's
0: same. You know, I'll, I'll take the approach of like, as long as it's within, within reason, you're not asking me about my sex life, I'll answer your question. And then I may ask you like, I'm curious, like, uh, you know, what made you want to know that about me, right? As you and I are getting yeah. to know each other, I'm curious Absolutely. just kind of what came up <laughs> that made you want to know that. Cause you know, I want you to know me too, right? Within reason.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but let's also pay attention to just kind of what came up in that moment that made you ask me
1: that question. Absolutely. Well, what's the, what's the piece underneath. And, and that supervisor used to say, you know, the, you might not remember 10 years from now, you might not necessarily remember the sessions you had or what was talked about. Like you might remember the theme or why you started going, but you'll remember how you were made to feel. And that's Mm -hmm. like the most important. And so I, I try to live by that creed.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and speaking of getting to know Sarah Carmona a little bit better, what is uh, I'm gonna ask you a personal question here. What is the the inspirational book within this field that you um, that you swear by, or gravitated to, or that you absolutely love? If you had to choose one,
1: I mean, I think you already know what that is. I'm pretty um, sure I do.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite book that changed my life personally, but also kind of the way that I do therapy even and use, that's kind of aligned with some of the other things that I do is A Return to Love by Marian Williamson. Um, it can scare you away if you, you know, if you've been accosted by religion um, or if you've been, I mean, here's the thing. I, I grew up a very devout Catholic. Um, I'm not practicing Catholic anymore, but I think the things left over from my, my education and my upbringing um, the important things are still left. And I had an experience in my adult life um, where, you know, I just shared it, you know, a couple of days ago, Alan heard the story um, where I was, I had a lot of magical thinking um, surrounded, you know, that was, you know, probably unhealthily woven into um, my spirituality. And um, when something bad happened to my family, um, I was kind of done. And I didn't think anything had my back or had anyone's back. And it was kind of a darker time. It didn't last too long, but this is one of the books that really helped me get that connection back to, um, you know, that just that divine like connection to higher power, to the universe, to whatever it is that you want. Um, So she uses a lot of, um, she talks about, I mean, she's a Jewish woman that like, you know, talks about all, all these universal spiritual themes. Um, but you know, she'll use some Christian terms that, you know, if you've been accosted by Christianity or any kind of, you know, any kind of way. And a lot of people have had experiences like that. A lot of people have good positive experiences too, but, um, A lot of times people would read these words and be like, oh my God, this is just way too, but it's, she talks about them in more psychological uh, aspects and it's very, it was just very eye opening and it was comforting and I shared it with Alan and he loved it. And so it was, um, it's such a comforting book. Um, Yeah. That's probably-
0: It's one of the first. I can't even tell you how many times
1: I've I've bought a copy for people. I'm like, please read it. Just please read this book. Like, read it all the way through. You know, give it a chance. It like, I I can't even tell you how many times people would like call me or in groups. Like, client would be like, I feel like she wrote this about me.
0: Yeah. yeah, you know, it was, it was one of the first books, I remember years ago when you had referred it to me and I sat down and read it, I couldn't put it down. And I, I, it was one of the first books in my life where I felt like a physical lifting of something off of my shoulders and, and what would end up years later uh, being things that I processed in therapy. Um, and that had lifted that I didn't know at the time and it, it's really interesting you know it's not like you know to go into like the woo-woo places but I think emotionally speaking there are things that we just need to hear and the power of words that people can share mm-hmm. and uh, and that book is most definitely powerful she has a way with words that, that are just beautiful,
1: beautiful. yeah absolutely yeah. Um, and so if you want a taste of like what she is like you can kind of go on and If you YouTube Marianne Williamson on like Super Soul Sunday with Oprah, I mean, just some of the things that she says are just like, oh, my God. Um, So that's been very helpful. That's that's what I would recommend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and I think you owe it to yourself if you're a reader, if you're or if you're interested in personal growth and healing. um, These are the kind of books that that you should read. They're, They're healing and and just share powerful messages that are beautiful. Yes. Well, Sarah, I really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to to have this conversation with me and shed light on uh, what's going on in the stars as well as what's going on in your therapy office. And yes. thank you, you, know. you
1: so much for having me. This was so fun, and it's these are really good, important conversations to have with each other, and I'm just I'm grateful that and and, and I have so much gratitude that you're doing this. It's like it's amazing. so
0: well, thank you. And if, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I, I really appreciate that. Sarah, sort of <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast at this point or, or just in general, right, you're, you're scrolling down, you'll see in the description, all of Sarah's uh, contact information, her website, what she's about, her social media, she, uh, she wants those things posted as well. Um, and I highly recommend if you're looking for a therapist uh, in the Orange County area, you're looking for someone who can uh, meet you where you're at, who also has a deep understanding of yoga and astrology. And those are things that you find titillating and you find that they would open some doors for you. I highly recommend that you reach out to Sarah because uh, she does wonderful, beautiful work.
1: Thank you. Cool. All right, thank Sarah. Well, thank all you. Right, you.